when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. When he comes, he will guide you. And notice this, he will tell you what he has come. Amen. Let me ask you something. Have you ever gone somewhere you've never been before? First time there. Never been there. Read about it. Maybe you went on the internet and you checked out some of the scenes and sites that are there. Maybe you Googled it. Google map is interesting. You Google an area, you can actually see it. You know, look at the streets and all, like you're there, you know. I keep saying, Ange, come here, we're going on vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I thought about it. When you go someplace the very first time that you've never been before, you've got four options, four options of getting to know the place. One, you could just get off the bus, the airplane, wherever it might be, and just walk around the city and see what's interesting there. Kind of go with the flow, you know. Drift about. Now, you're not going to get all the best doing that, and you're going to miss an awful lot of the city, but you'll get some information from it and get some input. The second one is to find a map. Get yourself a map. Check it out. Let's see where the streets are and where this restaurant might be and where the map tells us to go and but, you know, that's okay. and helps out a little bit. You get a little more direction. Amen. And that walk. But it, and it's actually better than just drifting about, just kind of walking about aimlessly. The third way would be to get a guidebook. Guidebook tells you all the cool stuff in the area, things you don't want to miss. But it leads you to what we would say is traps, right? Yeah. All those traps, tourist traps. And they would tell you a lot of good information. That church, you know, like attractions you don't want to miss. Stuff that's a lot of fun and could be fun and check it all out. Things that might be fulfilling, but certainly, well, it might even show you some best bargains in the area. It opens up the city far more than a map would or far more than just walking around. The fourth way would be to hire a personal guide. Someone who lives there. Someone who's been there all their lives and in all the very best spots. They know how to avoid all those tourist traps. I mean, say you went to you know Paris or, or, or to London. There are individuals that actually live there, so they know, the, they know how to point stuff out. They might even know a little bit of the history. They might know the background. They'll know the best place to take pictures. They'll know how to avoid the crowds. See, having a personal guide actually is probably the best of all ways. I mean, it's certainly better than just drifting through life or drifting through the city. I started thinking how that oftentimes that's what we do. We, we, we don't recognize that we have a personal guide, and so therefore we just kind of drift about. Possibly we'll get a map for life, you know, a guidebook, etc. But you know, we simply miss things when it happens. Because we know this, that the things you choose will determine how effective, how meaningful, how significant, how fulfilling your life is. We can just drift through life. And I think most people do. Most people who name the name of Christ just drift drift through life. They kind of go with the flow. We do the next thing. We do the next thing. We go from one holiday or one event to the next. And in between, we kind of prepare ourselves for the next. Just working and maintaining that life. They don't have a guidebook and they certainly don't have a guide. I would, have, <laughs> I would recommend you avoid that kind of lifestyle. Just drifting about. Just drifting about. Going from one point to the next. Not knowing and not really seeing what life's all about. Not knowing really and experiencing what's important and what's not important. You know, we can get plenty of maps and there's all kinds of maps. You go to Hollywood and get a map. And if you take a Hollywood map, it'll show you where all the important things are. You know, all the celebrities are. And you can actually find out where their homes are and check and look them up. Maybe you might even see one. Then I started thinking... All the maps that people give us, God's given us a guidebook and it's called His Word. But He didn't just give us a guidebook, He also gave us a personal guide, the Holy Spirit. Now last Sunday we got together and we're choosing how it was important to choose the right values. And we looked at how those choices are made, were made by Moses. In Hebrews 11th chapter, we read through four points. That Moses, how he made a choice and how he resolved some things in his life. Verse 23 goes on this. By faith Moses hid, parents hid him for three months and after he was born, 
because he saw there was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, verse 24 says, Moses, when he had grown up, notice this, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with God's people of God rather than enjoy pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than treasures of Egypt because he's looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, and he persevered because he saw him who was invisible. Moses chose because he had the right values. If you have the wrong values, then you're going to end up with the wrong foundation. You're going to waste your life. And I'll tell you right up front that the world's value system is exactly opposite of what God says we ought to value. So if you're listening to the world's value system and you're living your life according to those value systems, you are going to miss out on what God really has for you. So choosing the right values is extremely, extremely important. Now this morning I want to add to last Sunday's message, recognizing that the theme for this year is year of resolve. I want to add to it by adding to the fact that we need to choose the right guard. So we can take and resolve. Yes, yes, I can resolve. This will be the year of resolve, and I need to make the right choices. Yes, you do praise God for that, but now you need to add to that choosing the right guide. Because there's lots of people around us. And you can say amen to this. A lot of people who will be glad to give us direction. Be glad to tell us where we ought to go. What is necessary in life. And what is not necessary in life. And Well, chances are they're going to give us the wrong direction. Plenty of people, plenty of guides out there. In fact, you can go on television. You know, there's talk show hosts and, and radio commentators. And, and even a best friend, close friend, are willing to give you their advice. It's been my experience that a better understanding of the Holy Spirit can make us more effective for God's kingdom. A better understanding of the Holy Spirit can do just exactly that. You know, there are actually five ministries. You look at Scripture. There's five ministries of the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand that the five minute, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to continue, and I want you to get this, continue the ministry of Jesus Christ in our lives. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to continue the ministry of Jesus Christ in life. Scripture says He's our teacher. He's our remembrance. He's our guide. He's our revelator. He's our administrator. And as I look at those five areas of ministry, I pick up on one. He is our guide. He has been sent, the Scripture says, in John chapter 16, verse 13. He has been sent by God to lead us through life. But when the Spirit of truth comes, He will what? Guide you into all truths. I want you to see He will guide you. Amen. And I want to just right up front understand, oftentimes we look for the Spirit of God, we look for the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit for a time of situation, for a situation in our life, maybe a difficult time, it could be healing, it could be needing an answer. And so we end up calling upon our Lord, wanting the Holy Spirit to give us some kind of answer in the situation that we're in. But look at that passage, it says, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will what? Guide you into all truth. It's not just about one night stand. The Spirit of God is not there just to give you an answer when you're confused about something. He's to guide you through life. We're talking lifestyle, and I want you to pick up on that. The Spirit-filled individual is walking with the Holy Spirit. It is a Spirit-filled life. Amen. Sometimes we miss that. So the key ministry of the Holy Spirit is to be our guide. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, Paul explains it in a very practical way. Because those who are what? Led by the Holy Spirit. You know, we're Pentecostal. And the Charismatics, oftentimes, we make the Holy Spirit an experience. A one-time experience. You give your life to Jesus Christ, praise God. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And now you need to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that you can go out there and tell people about Jesus. Let me tell you, it's not an experience in and of itself. It is what? A lifestyle. Because those who are led by the Holy Spirit, what? By the Spirit of God are what? Sons of God. If you're led by the Spirit of God, then you are a son of God. What if you're not being led by the Spirit of God? Well, you fill in the blank. We are to be led by the Spirit of God. He is to be our guide. Amen. And I want you to note that when we talk about because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, understand that it's a continuing present tense. If I was to translate it, it would be this way. Because those who are 
regularly led by the Spirit of God, who are regularly led by the Spirit of God, they are what? Sons of God. So it's not about, I'm living my life, situation occurs in my life, oh God, I need, you to invo- I need your involvement, I need your advice. Holy Spirit, would you, would you involve yourself? Would you please transform and change the situation? And we come to Him on our circumstances and situation, and then we go about our business. It's not like that. According to the Scripture, it says, very much, listen to me, we are led by the Holy Spirit. We are led by the Holy Spirit. See, you'll never achieve maturity. Never, ever, ever be all that God's called you to experience the complete lifestyle that God Almighty would have for us unless we understand that we are to be led by the Holy Spirit. We are to, listen to me now, we are to be led by every single day of our lives. Amen. See, why is it so important? Why is it so important to be guided by, to be led by, to walk with the Spirit? Why is it so important, vitally important, that we might be all God's called us to be? Listen, let me ask you this question. Because this is something that happens to us, and I see this in the church. I've seen this for years. Do we live as sons of God by keeping a set of rules? Do we, do we live as sons of God by keeping a set of rules? Keep calm and follow the golden rules. Do we live, do we live as sons of God by keeping a set of rules? The answer is no. We live as sons of God by what? Being led by the Holy Spirit. That's important. It's not a matter of a combination of grace and law. Grace and rules. It is by faith, amen, we receive God's grace. Now the Bible deals with two methods to achieve righteousness with God. You can achieve righteousness through law, or you can achieve righteousness through grace. They are mutually exclusive. If I seek righteousness by, by the law, then I cannot achieve righteousness by grace. If I, if I seek to achieve righteousness by grace, then I cannot achieve it by keeping the law. Because the two are extremely opposites. And it's my experience that a lot of Christians will mix law and grace. We want to keep ourselves in good standing with God. And so often we think that if I mix the two, then I'll be in good standing with God. If I, if I live partially by law and partially by grace, then praise God, everything's going to be alright. But the truth of the matter is, they really a person who does that really does not understand either grace or law. See, law is a set of rules. Rules that we've got to keep. And if you can keep all the rules, every bit of the rules and commandments within Scripture, you will achieve righteousness. Grace, on the other hand, says, no, you can't. Grace is something you cannot earn. You can't work. You cannot. Because grace is received only from God, only one way. It's, it's described in Ephesians Chapter 2. For by grace have you been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We take that passage of Scripture and we say, this is just about salvation. For by grace are you saved. It's God's grace. Let me tell you something. That's not just about the point of salvation, the moment of salvation, it's describing a lifestyle, a walk with the Lord. We are to walk by grace. I, I see it all the time. We, we present the gospel of Jesus Christ as grace. You're saved by grace. And as soon as a person gives their life to Jesus Christ, we light all these rules and regulations that they have to have in their life. So we kind of mix the two, grace and law. It is by grace we are saved, right? For we are God's workmanship. How? Listen, workmanship, meaning there's a trans- something's going on in our lives. What is the work of the Spirit of God in life? Well, it's through grace. We are transformed by God's grace. Amen. Not by the things we can do. Can you say amen? That's important. It's importantly important for us to understand that. Because too many mix law and grace. Mix law and grace. Mix law and grace. Forget us. Forgive us, Lord, for doing that. Again, why? Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are what? 
sons of God. It doesn't say, and those who are led by the Spirit and keep the law are. No, it doesn't say that. It says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So do we live as sons of God by keeping the set of rules? Absolutely not. We live as sons of God by yielding to the Spirit of the Most High being led by the Spirit. And it's the only way that we can live as God's mature people. Okay? Let me ask you this question. Why did Jesus leave? Why did he return to heaven? Why did he return to the Father? That's what Scripture says. He said this, I tell you the truth. It is good. It is for your good. So how in the world can that be for my good? Wow, to be led? Wait a minute. Wouldn't it be much better to have Jesus here leading and guiding us? Jesus is saying, it's much better that I leave. Well, wait a minute, don't do that. I would rather have you here, Lord. But he said, it, well, I tell you a truth now. Listen to what he said. I tell you a truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor, the comforter, the guide will not come to you. But if I go, I will what? Send them to you. Could anything be better than having Jesus guide us in our personal life? To guide us personally? Jesus said, yeah. Yes. When the comforter comes. And we understand the principle behind this. Think about it. While Jesus was here, he could only minister to those he was in contact with. He, listen, he couldn't be in Jerusalem in Connecticut at the same time. He could not be in Europe and Canada at the same time. But now that the Spirit of God has come, the Counselor has come, the Comforter has come, our Guide has come, wow, He can be with all of us and help all of us and guide all of us at the same time. And it binds us together. That's kind of cool. That's great. That's great. To have the experience and dwelling of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. To have it in our hearts. And I will ask the Father and He will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him. For he lives, notice this. For He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Scripture says the Holy Spirit is a, our helper. He is that guide. He is that comforter. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. He is the Spirit of truth. He will be in us and He will be our guide. Amen. You say, oh, praise God for that. That's good news. You say, okay, great. How does the Holy Spirit guide my life? How does He do it? We'll tell you something. One of the most important things you can learn in life is how to be led by the Holy Spirit. To be guided by, to walk in the Spirit. One of the most important things you can ever learn in your life is how to do that. And you say, well, why is that? Well, because the Scriptures just told us. Because those who are led by the Holy Spirit are sons of God. So it's important that we be led by the Holy Spirit, be guided by Him. Not just come to Him and go to cry out to Christ and cry out to the Lord because there's a need, a prayer need. No. It's a lifestyle, a walk with the Lord every single day of our lives. And I think sometimes there's that disconnect. We go before the Lord because we're children of the Most High. We recognize we have the privilege to do that. And so we go before Him in prayer and fasting, etc. in those times of need. And then we go about our business. But that's not what Scripture tells us. A Spirit-filled life is a walk with the Lord Most High every day of our lives. Being guided by Him. And I think that when we talk about resolving some things for this year, I think that's one of the things we need to resolve. We need to pick the right guide. Because, you know, we seem like we go to God for the spiritual things. We go to the Bible for spiritual things. But when it comes to the outside world, we go to all those other voices outside that would give us information. But the Scripture says, no, 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 there's one guide. One confidence for the child of the Most High. That's the most important thing you can learn. How to be led by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. 
For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. Sonship? Yeah, we can cry, Abba, Father. And notice this. And the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are, in fact, children of God. It is important that our spiritual man be awake. Because if we aren't spiritually awake, then we're not going to hear the voice of our God. Amen. Spiritually awake. Spirit, awake in our spirit, my Lord, that we might receive from you this day. And when our spirit is awake, the scripture says, now if you're children of God, then you are heirs and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed you share in his sufferings in order that you may also share in his glory. The scripture is telling us that if you're being led by the Holy Spirit, guess what? You're a child of God. In fact, you're, you're, you're part of the in crowd. And so what is it that, that, that marks you as a believer that you're a child of the King, a daughter of the Lord? Amen. It's the Holy Spirit guiding you and leading you day by day. Not just for those special moments, but every single day of your life. And I think that's where we miss it sometimes. You know, when you start off as a Christian, brand new babe in Christ, you're not very good at uh, really knowing how to be led by the Holy Spirit, how to let Him lead you. But you get better at it. You're going to understand. You're going to learn to understand His voice. It's kind of like the person who's been married for a while. When, when, when that loved one, that husband or the wife, called each other, you know, on the phone, they don't go, Hi, honey, I'm your wife. You know, or, hi honey, I'm your husband. You know, because just by the voice, you know who they are. Because you've been with them for a while, amen? They don't need to preface it, you know. You know their voice. And when you first start walking with Christ, you don't know the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's hard. And, you know, you get, this, you get this impression, you get this feeling, you get this idea, and you say, hmm, I wonder, is that God talking to me or am I just talking to myself? Or is it bad pizza that I had last night? What, what is this? What am I feeling? Now we understand through Scripture that the Holy Spirit was given to lead and guide and comfort us. But how do we know? How do we know that the prompting we're feeling inside is from the Holy Spirit and not just a product of our own emotions, our own thoughts? How do we discern between the influence of the Holy Spirit and the influences of culture, family, and friends? How can we tell the difference? How can we really understand, recognize Spirit's guidance? And right about now, most in the subject of being Spirit-led, Spirit-guided, we will present to you a formula. Things that you need to do to prepare yourself to hear the voice of our God. To have air per answer. And so we look at that. We look for formulas that help us experience the Holy Spirit's guidance. The first thing we would say is that you need to experience cleansing. You need to ask God if there's anything in your life that's hindering hearing you. You need to ask God for that forgiveness because if you confess your sins, amen, God's faithful and just to forgive. So if you're going to ask God for something, if you want the Spirit of God to give you information and insight, revelation, then the first thing you need to do is make sure there's nothing in your life that's contrary to God. Ask God for cleansing. And then secondly, ask Him Amen. To be heard. Ask, Lord. I'm asking you for the answer, Lord. You promised that you would hear me. You promised, according to your word, that I can come before you and ask anything according to your will, and you'll hear. So we begin to we ask, amen. We, we confess. We get our lives right. We get all the junk out of our lives. Confess all the stuff that we need to. And then we need to ask Him, amen. Ask Him for whatever it is that we're asking. Whatever need it might be. And then the next thing we would do is we meditate. You meditate on the promises of God. Because the scripture says the promises of God will be a light unto your path. Psalms talked about that, 119, 105. For the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So you meditate upon the word of God. The passage of scripture, you know, that, that uh, applies to whatever the circumstance might be. And then you need to believe. You really need to believe. You need to believe that God has promised. What he has promised, it'll come true. Fact is, first Corinthians chapter, second Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty says. That his promises are yes in Christ. 
And so you make sure that there's nothing hindering your prayer life. You ask the Lord to hear your request because He promised He would and you meditate upon those promises of God and you believe with all your heart then in fact He will answer His yeses in Christ. Then you wait. You wait. Wait for Him. You wait. Just wait. And we go through that process all the time. I'm going to tell you something. Those five points aren't wrong in and of themselves. But it's so easy for us to fall into formulas for our walk with Christ. Formulas in serving Him. Doing this, this, and this. We make them out to be a formula for answered prayer. A formula for God's guidance. A formula for our relationship. And we end up walking not by faith, but by law. We're very legalistic in the things we need to do. We don't allow the Lord to actually work in our lives like He ought to. Follow me in this now. The Holy Spirit's guidance is for a lifetime of walking. The Holy Spirit's guidance is for a lifetime of walking. It's a relationship. It's not just for the situation at hand. Let me tell you something right up front. There are some things that the Scripture does not inform us about. Not directly. Questions like, who should I marry? Or, where should I go to work? Who should I speak to? All those kinds of those sort of things of that nature. And it seems to me that in my experience that most Christians, those are the questions we're asking our God. Who should I marry? Where should I work? And who should I speak to? What should I do? What parking space should I take? Some Christians get caught up in all of that, and that seems to me to be the, the essence of our prayer lives. Looking for God to give us guidance there. But let me tell you something. That if our hearts and our minds have been regenerated, and we're now connected to our God, and are truly and wholeheartedly seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit as a lifestyle, amen, amen, that's going <laughs> to, praise God, any desire, hold on to your hat, any desire that you and I have as believers, any path we choose as you and I believers, provided it doesn't go against Scripture, amen, get me now, it's not a pursuit of something sinful, you can trust it's God's plan because you invite Him into the situation because you desire to do His will. Amen. He said, well, Pastor, it's too simple. I know it seems simple. But so often, it's the most difficult thing for us to do. Because it's really easy for us to be saved by grace, but then live our life in the law. Going through the process. Making sure everything's in place. Sometimes we get to a point where we live, we're saved by grace, but then we're afraid that we make the wrong decision, or we'll do the wrong thing. And if we do the wrong, make the wrong decision or go to the wrong place, all of a sudden God's going to punish us, and then we get pain, and something happens in our life, and we're tempted to think, see, it's because I didn't follow God's Spirit. I don't. I didn't do this. But it's not His nature to do that. When painful things happen as a result of a genuine, honest, a goodness, desire to please our Lord, listen to me, oftentimes that pain comes along. It's simply a time of spiritual growth. Why? Because God loves you. He's drawing you. He's building you. He's correcting you. He's helping. He's drawing. That's a good thing. Wow. Look at Paul wrote up here. He said, Have you forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons? My son, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And didn't lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord, does, what's he do? He disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone who is what? Accepted as sons. Endure hardships as discipline. We talked about that last week. Doing all the heavy stuff front, up, stuff, up front. So we can experience the, the joy of the Lord later on in life. But our world today has it backwards. We want everything now. We're not willing to pay the price. We want it now. It doesn't lead to a future. No, it really doesn't. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For a son is not disciplined... For what, if, what son is not disciplined by his father? Verse 10. But God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems present at the, pleasant at the time, 
but painful later on. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been, what? Notice this, trained by it. A lifestyle. Romans chapter 8, verse 32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. He is the Spirit of Christ. Romans goes on, However, <clears throat> you, however, are, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. And if the Spirit of God lives in you, notice that, if the Spirit lives in what prevents the Holy Spirit from living in you? When you keep doing your own thing, trying to do your own life, live your own way, live by your own precepts, your own principles, what makes you feel good, right? You're living that way and you think God's going to bless you somehow. Listen, the Holy Spirit is then grieved and He's quenched. He cannot work through your life. You're not going to be guided by the Holy Spirit when you are doing your own thing and asking God to bless what you're doing. Or only going to Him when things don't turn out right. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. It's about a relationship, folks, and we miss it. We've got our, figure, we got our relationship with Christ figured out too. I say the sin is prayer. I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit. I get baptized with the Holy Spirit, and everything's settled. It doesn't say that. It's talking about a lifestyle, a transformation, amen, where the Spirit of God is actually living in us, free to guide us. Every single day of our lives. However, you are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. And if the Spirit lives in you, if man does have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. He is one with the Father. The Holy Spirit is one with the Son. And what the Scripture says is he speaks, he speaks harmony with them. The Holy Spirit will not say anything that God would not say. The Bible is the Word of God. It is Christ manifested the Word. In fact, the Scripture would tell us there, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in what? Righteousness. In right relationships. Training in righteousness. Let's go back. What did we see back here? It talked about the fact that God Almighty, and go back into Hebrews chapter did I get the right one here? Back chapter 12, verse, verse 4. Is it there? No, it's not there. Well, it's anyways. If you go back into Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4, it talks about, again, training, being trained, being led by and guided by. All Scripture is God-breathed and used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Training so that we can hear the Word of God, that we can hear His voice, know His voice. So when it's telling us that the Spirit of God will never contradict the Bible. And as we meditate upon the Scripture, we are to study them, we are to read them, and the Holy Spirit is going to speak to our hearts through what we have received, the Word, as we've received the Word. John chapter 16, verse 14 says this, He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine, that's why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while, you will see me no more. And after, and then after a little while, you will see me. Verse 26. But the counsel of the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything which I have said. Let me ask you something. What's, where's the record of God, of Christ's words? The Word of God. The Bible. The Holy Spirit is going to remind you of all the things that Jesus said. You are to be in the Word of God. You are to be studying the Word of God. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit to the point where He's guiding you and leading you every single day of your life, a lifestyle, then you need to be in the Word of God. Because the Holy Spirit is going to bring back to memory the Word of God. Jesus. That's what he's going to do. Amen. That intimate knowledge of the voice of God is gained through exposure to what he's written. That intimate knowledge of his voice to be able to tell, is that the voice of the Lord or is that bad pizza? It is because you've been in the word of God. You've been exposed to his voice. You've heard his voice. 
And it's really easy for us to recognize the Holy Spirit if we recognize it from the reading of Scripture. A precept, a principle, a thought comes into our mind, and immediately we say, that's not of the Lord. I know the principles of God's Word. I know what Jesus said. It's not of the Word. That's just my emotions and my feeling. I don't know, guilt. Maybe it's, it's the fact that I, I lean towards legalism. I lean towards law. Stop. It's not what Jesus said. And I know that. Those who believe in Christ have been reborn. We've been reborn in the Holy Spirit. And by that rebirth, we enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus said this, I tell you the truth. No one can see. No one can what? No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And Nicodemus wanted to know, how can a person be born again? Can he enter a second time into the, the mother's womb to be born? And Jesus said, no. No one can enter the kingdom unless he's born of water and of spirit. For the flesh gives birth to flesh, and the spirit gives birth to spirit. You need to be born again. The spiritual man needs to be awakened. Spiritual man needs to be transformed and changed. How's it occur? By the reading, by the washing of the word. We become, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5:17, we become new creatures in him. Why? Therefore, everyone in Christ is a new creature, old is gone. And the new has come. We become new creatures. We have so discredited and so and such a disjustice to a spiritual walk, to walking in the Spirit. We have destroyed truly that God's call in our lives for a relationship, a walk, a lifestyle. And so we just added Christ to our lives. We've added the Word to our lives when we need it. We, we take verses of Scripture, encouragement, promises, and stick them in our refrigerators, and we go around about our business. That is not being Spirit-led. That is not, being, that is not what God Almighty wanted us to have experience. He wants us to become new creatures. He wants us to be transformed and changed. He wants our spiritual man to be alive. Uh, that spiritual man to desire the Word, to desire more of Jesus, to want to know Him more. Not to know more law, not more process, but to know Him more. To be born again. And the Scripture says to us in Jeremiah 17 that your heart's deceitful. We get this idea. I just go by my feeling. You know, go by your heart. Come on, man. It's the Spirit of God speaking to me. I just got this impression in my life, you know. Oh, I got this revelation. I got this dream last night. Stop it. The Scripture says the heart is deceitful above all else. We get these impressions, we get these ideas, these thoughts in our minds, and we think it's God. No, listen to me. You'll never be able to tell what is of God and not never understand the wisdom of God if you're not in His Word. We try to simplify everything. Come on down to the altar, we lay on hands, you receive the Spirit of God, you speak in tongues, praise God, go about your business. Stop it. It's a lifestyle. Don't be coming looking for the power of God in your life to be transformed, etc., unless you're ready to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to somebody because that's the reason that we are to be spirit-led, spirit-filled is to bring forth the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost and dying world. Jeremiah said, that your heart's deceitful. It's, desperate. it's sick. But that heart, that heart has been regenerated by our God, a heart that trusts in Him, a heart that becomes it trusts the Lord with all things. Will no longer follow itself, but will follow God. The Scripture says in Proverbs, "Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He'll make your path straight." Notice that. In all your ways acknowledge Him. He's talking about. He's talking about a lifestyle. He's talking about a walk with the Spirit. From just the way I live, the decisions I make, the way I walk, let my life acknowledge Him in all things. I don't need my life to acknowledge my parents, what they've taught me. I don't need my life to acknowledge what the people around me are teaching me. No, no, I need to, my walk, my life, acknowledge my Lord. Is that going to bring persecution in your life? Yeah, there's going to be family members that are not going to like what you have to say. They don't like it because you're, you're doing something different. Culture, except whatever it might be. But my life is to what? Is to acknowledge Him in all of my ways. From discipline to training to desire, desires I have, the life food across the board, the way I take care of my body, everything, all my ways are to acknowledge Him. You want to be Spirit-led? You want to be Spirit-filled in such a way? Then, then commit yourself. Resolve it once and for all that all your ways are to acknowledge Him. He's your guide.
And what's he going to do? He'll make your path straight. He'll guide you. He'll guide you. Your heart become new. Becomes transformed. Jesus went on to say, well, Jesus, but Ezekiel wanted to say, God said this, I'll give them a what? Undivided heart. That's how you know you're spirit-filled. That's how you know that you're a child of the king because your heart's not divided. You're not divided by the old ways of life and, and what you thought and what other people say. No, 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 your heart's not divided anymore. It's focused in on what Jesus wants. He's focused in on his word, his precepts, his principles. I will give them an undivided heart and I will put a new spirit in them. Listen to me, if my heart's divided, if I have a little bit of the world and a little bit of, of the word and try to mix it together, a little bit of law and a little bit of, of grace and I try to mix it together, the scripture says, I can't put my spirit in you. But when you're 100%, when there's that singleness of eye Jesus talked about, guess what he says? I'll put my spirit in you. And you will know who I am. And you'll know who you are. Child of the King. Of grace. You say. I'll remove from them a heart of stone. And give them a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give them a new heart. Put a new spirit in it. And I'll remove from you your heart of stone. And give you a heart of flesh. Wow. This is twice. Try and tell somebody something. If your heart's divided. If you're, if you're trying to appease the world and go by its standards, and at the same time be spiritual, your heart's divided. You can't do it. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Cannot. And so the Lord said, I'm going to put a new spirit in you, but you got to get single-minded. I want those, He said, I want, I want to speak to you. you want, I want you to hear me. I, I want to give you direction. The only way it's going to happen is my spirit's in you. You've got to be open to it. Amen? Look what Jesus said. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And notice what else he went on to say. He went on to say, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they don't recognize the stranger's voice. How do you get to know? How, do you, how can you discern the Savior, the shepherd's voice? Because you're in his word. You heard his word. You read his word. You've heard the things that he said. And you know it. By receiving that, accepting that, and by by committing your life more to it, you now you're allowing the Spirit of God to work in your life. You're going to begin to be led by Him. Amen? When our minds, listen to me, our <laughs> praise God, our minds are also transformed by the Holy Spirit. Paul taught this to the Corinthians. He's talking about how that truth could not be ex accessed by, by human wisdom, but only by the power of God. And I'm not going to go through it all, reading it all, but I know it's some par parts in it. Verse, verse 6 says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. Not the wisdom of the age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Verse 7 says, We speak of God's, God's secret wisdom. Verse 10 said that God has revealed to it by His Spirit. Verse 12 goes on to say, We have not received the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God. Amen. And verse 16 says, For who it is that knows the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? We have the mind of Christ. How do you have the mind of Christ? Because you prayed for it? Because you were anointed with oil and now you've got it? Somebody hits you over the head with a Bible? Now you've got the mind of Christ? You've got a lump, but that's not the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ because you've studied the Scripture. The Word of God is being manifested itself in your life. The written word needs to be manifested in your life. It's not just something we read and quote. It aggravates me sometimes. At the beginning of the year, everybody wants to read the Bible through in one year. And we pat ourselves on the back because we read the Bible. Praise God for that. But listen to me. All you do is go through the motions. We need the word of God to manifest itself in our lives. And if we allow the word of God to manifest itself in life, the spirit of God will manifest himself in our lives. Come on now. It's always aggravated me. Pentecostal, love the Lord. Aggravated me. We'd have a special time. Everyone would go, feel the Holy Spirit come on down, pray for you, and they speak in tongues. Everybody's great. Praise God for that. Wait a minute. What's the background in all this? Has that individual been seeking the Lord? Do they, are they applying the Word of God? I, there's a lot of things that I need to know about. Just because a person fell out doesn't tell me that they're spirit-filled. I've seen a lot of phonies. 
But then I've also seen God move in a mighty way in people's lives too. The wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. Wow. Verse 10 says, those who love God have the Spirit. Here's what the Spirit does. He searches everything. Even the depths of God searches your life and the depths of God. He does. And the Spirit searches all things, even the depth, the deep things of God. You know, Scripture goes on to say that the way we think is understood by those who think that way. You know, the thoughts of men are only understood by, by man, but the thoughts of God are only understood by the Holy Spirit. So as believers, because we have the mind of Christ, you and I can understand some of those deep things of God. But we've got to become spiritually alive. We've got to say, you know what? I know the world. I know I'm living in the world, but I'm not of it. God's called me through, <laughs> by the faith I put in Him by way of grace that I might see the deep things of God. My life can be transformed and changed. And in doing so, I will be walking in the Spirit and the Spirit of God can work through my life and demonstrate all the gifts that are necessary because I'm no longer self-centered. I'm centered on those around me that God might be glorified. And the evidence might be tongues. The evidence might be wisdom. It might be any one of the, the different fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, etc. But praise God, it's because I had a desire to allow the Spirit of God to live and to walk and be guided by Him and not by own, my own understanding. I have the mind of Christ. Verse 14 goes on to tell us the Holy Spirit enlightens that mind because it's now possible for us to discern truth. Truth that a natural man can't. Because natural man always falls back on what it's been taught, its experiences in the past, its prejudice, its ideas. It goes by its emotion. And the scripture says, no. Now that you're connected with the God and you're involved with his word, all of a sudden there's a gift of discernment that comes about and you will discern the truth. Not by what man might say or by your prejudice or your background or fear. Not by law anymore. Now you're understanding the Lord and his ways and his, his intimacy there. So if we have, new, if we have a new heart, we trust in our Lord, then we have the promise. Listen to me. If we have a new heart that trusts in the Lord, then God's promise is He will teach us by His Spirit. He will teach us by His Spirit. We'll start off as newborn babes and we'll grow, mature. He'll teach us. He doesn't put us automatically in college. You know, starts off with us in kindergarten, you know. Little simple things, laying those elementary things in place. We build precept upon precept. We build, we learn, we grow. That help us. John chapter 14, verse 26. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father has sent in my name, will teach you all things and will what? Remind you of everything I have said. If you don't know what Jesus said, he can't remind you of it. If you're not in his word on a daily basis, not just to read the word because you're supposed to do it, part of the process. No, no, no. You're in the word of God because you want to know more about Jesus. It's your love letter. It's God's love letter to us. And I want my life to represent him. I want my life, amen, my paths to be a path of righteousness. Right relationship starting with my God. Verse 12. 12, 12. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time, what you should say. You just got to go by that feeling. Baloney, let me tell you something. I don't trust your feeling. I don't trust your word unless I know you've been in the word. I need to know that. If you're a child of the word and your life's demonstrated that, praise God, I'll listen to you. I'll listen to what you have to say. But just because you're feeling something, I think you're pretty smart. Man's wisdom, I'll define. We'll be able to sell. We'll be able to define man's wisdom over God's wisdom in a heartbeat when you've been into the Word of God. Amen? Praise His holy name. And if we are connected, and if we're connected to the mind of Christ, look at the Scripture says, again, no, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. 
Listen to me. If we are connected with the mind of Christ, then we'll be able to speak the wisdom of God. A wisdom that was hidden, but not revealed. Why? Because we can have the mind of Christ. It's made it available to us. Verse 12 says, we have not received the spirit of, of the world, but the spirit of who God is from, that we may understand what God has freely given to us. See, the scripture is telling me I can relax. I can relax in the knowledge that, that he is guiding me, guiding my life. I can relax in the very simple walk that I have, walk in that trust. I walk in that trust by, by, by faith and the grace of our God. The big part of walking in trust is to know God's word, the written word, and to experience that manifestation in your own personal life. Because the written word of God is the source of God's wisdom. Let me put it this way. If I just simply read the Bible, I increase my knowledge. But when that word of God begins to manifest itself in my life, it now becomes wisdom. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is a bunch of facts, information that we throw at people once in a while throughout our own lives. But wisdom is the application of. And so when I am into the word of God, I'm reading it and I'm penetrating, it's penetrating my heart. I'm memorizing it and I'm speaking again. Has it transformed your life? Is it manifesting itself in your life? Are others being experiencing the same in your life? Is it changed the way we speak, the way we think? And praise God, amen. Then you're going to have God's wisdom come out of your lips. We should actually follow the advice of Proverbs. Look at Proverbs says, what? My son, do what with sound judgment? Preserve it. It means if you've got to preserve something, there's always going to be a tendency to lose it, right? So you've got to preserve it, you've got to keep it. My son, preserve sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight, for they have been, <laughs> they will be life for you, anointment to grace your neck. When you, then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. Where do you get sound judgment and discernment? Where? Where can you get sound judgment and discernment? Because if I have sound judgment and discernment, that means the Holy Spirit, that means I'm going to be Spirit-led. That means that I'm going to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Where do I get that? I get that from His Word. Applying God's Word. Applying God's Word to my life. See, Pastor Bob, how can I, how can I, how can I recognize the voice of God? Is that you, God? I went back to Scripture and I started thinking about it. Think about it. Samuel, he heard the voice of God. But he didn't recognize it. But Eli did. And what about, what about what Gideon? He receives a vision, a revelation from God. But he's unsure. He doesn't know. So he says, Lord, I've got to have some signs. He resorted to that. Started thinking, if we went through the Old Testament, New Testament, of the individuals who heard the voice of God and they were questioning it, how... What kind of chances do we have that we're going to be able to pick up his word the very first time? <laughs> if they can't recognize and couldn't recognize, how can we know when we hear his voice? This is one important factor. We have something the Old Testament saints did not have. We have the complete scripture. The complete scripture, the entire inspired word of God. That we can read it, we can study it, we can meditate on it daily. Not just when we're in a hard time. Not just when we've been sidetracked by something out of the sky. Oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And I run out for counsel. No, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. All Scripture is what? And useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the man of God might be thoroughly equipped. That to me is talking about a lifestyle, about a walk. It's not just about an individual situation. No, no, no. No, 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 no. It's about changing and being transformed. It's about training, being thoroughly equipped for every good work. Have that mind of Christ. Affect the lives of those around us. So, you know, when it comes to applying God's word, it, it, let me tell you something. Applying God's, reading God's word, studying God's word, applying it to our lives is just as effective and comforting to us 
as hearing the audible voice of God. Oh, I want to hear the audible voice of God. Read His Word. That can be just, listen to me, that can be just as effective and just as comforting. Amen. If you get some questions to spiritual topic or, or decision you're facing, you go to the Word of God. Go to the Word of God with the confidence to know that it is in fact God's Word. It's authoritative and it's as good as God's own voice. He has promised throughout the Scripture that He'll not lead you contrary to the teaching and promise of the Scripture. Amen. Let me just throw one more thing in. This is an important thing. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. Listen to me, this is important. To remember this, it's only a believer, the person who's been saved by His grace through faith in Jesus Christ that can ever recognize the Word, ever recognize God's voice. What this is implying is implying that Jesus has His own flock. His own flock that will recognize His voice because they know Him. How do they get to know Him? They, they learned about Him in the Scriptures. And reading the Word of God and applying those principles, it was imprinted. In, in His voice was imprinted in their minds. And when He speaks to their hearts, they know who's speaking. They know who's directing. They know the wisdom. They know. Let me tell you something. This is important. The more time as believers we spend in God's Word, the more time spending in God's Word we're listening to our God and speaking in return to Him in prayer, the easier it's going to be for us to recognize His voice He's leading in our own lives. We should know Him well enough. We should know Him well enough because we've known Him through the Scripture. We've known Him. We know His voice through the Word. And so it's obvious to us when He prompts us or the Holy Spirit begins to lead us. Even though He may not be speaking in an audible way, we know who He is. And when He does speak to us in an audible way, praise God, we'll recognize that as well. But I want you to remember this is important. The lack of an audible voice from God in the life of a believer is no way a sign That you're in trouble with God. A person who does not hear that, vo that audible voice of God should not think for a moment that they're that they're not loved by God, that they're not a believer, and we shouldn't think for a moment that we're not that He's somehow displeased with us. I know some Christians who live their lives looking for the audible voice of God. That's what they got to have. And if they don't, have the, they don't hear the audible voice of God, then they figure they're not doing something like they should be doing. They've missed the mark somehow. They're living by law, not by grace. Fear, not by God's grace. You want to hear God's voice? Read the Scripture. And when you read the Scriptures, don't be identifying only with the law. Do you hear me? Identify with the grace of God. Identify with the nature of our God who loves and cares for us, who gave His life for us. Because you can read the Scriptures different ways. I know folks who read the Scriptures and all they do is hear all the judgment of God. They read all the judgments of God and they try to figure out what they should or shouldn't do. They like, stop it, man. You'll never live up to that Scripture very clear that says that you're trying to become righteous by, by keeping the full law. Well, good for you. If you can do it, you'll become righteous. But Scripture says you can't. Because if you fail in one little area of it, you're guilty of it all. So don't mix it. Remember that a lack of audible voice from God in the life of a believer is not in any way a sign that God doesn't love you or He's displeased with you. And stop. Listen to me now. This is important. Now, we're charismatic. We believe in the fullness. We believe in gifts. We believe in dreams and revelations. We believe it. I believe that. It's in God's Word. I accept it. I recognize it. There's no question. But stop looking, seeking. Stop seeking God through some extra biblical revelation. Get the Word of God right in your life before you add anything else or look for anything else. People say, oh, I want no God. Listen, hit the Word is right there. Read the Word. Apply what you already know. When that's being applied, then the Lord will bless you with other things. But guess what? It'll never be a new revelation per se. It'll just be a deeper understanding of what already has been revealed. No extra biblical revelation. 
Peter tells us this, and I want you to pick up on this. Peter made the statement. We ourselves have heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. They heard an audible voice. As Peter says, right? Because of that experience, he goes on to say, we have a greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. We were on the mountain. We heard an audible voice. God spoke to us. And because of that experience, we heard what the prophets have been speaking. And now we're even more confident that the prophets are correct. All right? Got that now? They actually there, they heard the audible voice of God. He spoke to them. It confirmed in their hearts and minds that the prophets were correct. Now look what he says. You must pay close attention to what they wrote. Don't be looking for audible voices right now. You pay attention to what they wrote. Don't look for audible voices now as a child of God, Pentecostal, charismatic. Don't be looking for audible voices. You pay attention to what he, what they wrote. Amen. Right? We don't pay attention to what they wrote. We want to skip through all that. We don't want to go through that discipline. We just want the blessing. We want the answer. We want the, the feeling, the motive. We want God to be involved. Stop. You can't get to that end that way. Pay close attention to what they wrote. For their words are like what? A lamp. Have we ever heard about that before? Have we ever saw the Word of God being compared to the Word, to, to the lamp? Just in case you don't remember. Psalm, your Word is a what? Lamp unto my feet. A light for my path. Pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in dark places until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in our hearts. His word, a lamp unto my feet. And then Jesus went on to say, I am the what? Light of the world. You can't get away from this. The word of God is the light. Jesus is the light. The word of God is the manifestation of Jesus, the light. You want to live a spirit-filled life. You want to be guided by the Holy Spirit and all the evidence that are there. Then pay attention to the word of God. And don't just simply read the word of God just to be able to read the word of God. Say so you did it. You need to read it to let it internalize it so it manifests itself in your life. Surrender. Resolve once and for all that the Word of God is going to manifest itself in your life. From the way we think, the way we speak, the way we raise the decision we make, our lives are going to become a manifestation of God's Word. And if that will happen, I'll tell you something, then the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God will allow you in the same way, What? Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. When we recognize the Word of God as being the light of Christ, the light, and we take all that Word of God to manifest it in our own lives, then the Scripture says the Spirit of God is going to work through your life and we're going to begin to shine. We're going to become a manifestation of the very light of Christ, the Word of God. And other people are going to see the good deeds and praise Him. Praise the Father. Can you say amen? If we walk this walk with Christ with a legalistic kind of lawful mind, then that's what we're going to, people are going to see in our lives. We are going to present to them law. We're going to present to them, you know, the, the, these judgments, etc. But what the scripture says we need to see, they need to see the good deeds. They need to see Christ in action. They need to see the compassion. God give us the discernment that we might minister. You know, when Jesus ministered to folks, He was able to touch and be able to see their hearts and able to minister to them exactly where they were, given the Word, and that changed their lives. Only you, only Jesus could reveal that. Only, how did you get to know? How did you know that? How did you know that? And what happens is they will begin to praise the Father. Now, they might run away, but they'll then experience the power of our King inside. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see the good deeds and praise your heavenly Father. Amen? And amen. Folks, we need to be a people of prayer and of praise. We need to be people of the Word of God. We need to resolve once and for all who we're going to follow, who's going to lead us, and how we're going to walk this walk, either by grace, amen, or by law. 
if we want the Spirit of God to lead us, then it's going to have to be through grace, recognizing that in our own personal lives. I want us to experience the fullness of the Spirit in our lives. I want us to truly be a Spirit-filled congregation, worship and praise. But we're going to have to redefine a little bit of what it takes to be Spirit-filled. Amen and amen. And I tell you what, it's going to start with just getting back to the Word of God and allowing it to manifest itself in our lives. And that allows the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Amen, that's just the way it is. I've seen it over and over again. We are not, you know, being Pentecostal, there's emotion attached to it. There's no question about it. Amen, praise God. Spirit of God comes upon you like a fire shut up in your bones. It's a good thing. But there's a preparation that has already been done. Spirit of God falls on you. Those disciples in the upper room, when they received the power of the baptism, they weren't just there one night. No, no, they were there fasting for a period of time. Why? Their hearts were minded to the Lord. They had been with Jesus. They, had been, they found everything was in place. So they were open to the Spirit of God. They were listening to They knew the voice of Jesus. They had been in Jesus' presence. And so it wasn't unexpected. It wasn't something out of the ordinary for them to be filled like that. We need to recognize, we need to recognize that pattern. Amen? Amen. We're going to go to time of prayer and praise. Stay where you are. Just stand altars. Just make that resolve. Resolve in your hearts where you are today. Resolve that once and for all, we're going to allow the Word of God to manifest itself in our lives. That's what we're going to do. We're going to choose to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. Choose to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. And it's not going to be some, you know, Jesus, I need an answer right now. Please talk to me. And, and, and then I get this feeling, oh, that's what I'm going to do now. Stop. No. Get back. Get into the Word. Get to know Him. So the voice that He speaks, you hear, will be able to differentiate between that pizza that you ate and the actual Word of God. Can you say amen? Come on now. This is important stuff. Let's get in problem prayer. I got the song we're going to play, and Exalted is going to be open. Let's spend some time before. Amen. To be desperate for Him. To be desperate for Him. Let's resolve that in our lives this upcoming year. Not just for this year, but for the rest of our lives. Be desperate for Him. Allow Him to work for our lives like never before. Let's take it up a notch. We're just not going through the motions and being religious and thankful and accepting and agreeing. Let's take it up a notch. And really becoming spirit-filled, spirit-led congregation for our King. So that others might come to know Him as Lord and Savior. And we can fulfill the very reason for our existence. Can you say Amen? Father, we want to thank you for the word, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity of being able to share. As we leave this place, Lord, I pray that, pray that you'll take and bring to remembrance all these things that were spoken. The Father, the work that has begun in our lives through your spirit will be complete. And that we will allow your word to manifest itself in our lives. And in doing so, we will become in tune with your word and to your voice. And Father, you'll speak to us and share with us and bring harmony to our lives and to the world. And you see that glory out with prayer and all things in every bunch. Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Folks, you're dismissed in Jesus' name.